What makes the good life the good life? This podcast is on a mission to find out. So join us as we explore the Heartland's best and most honest voices. Venture to all four corners of York County, because when it comes to quality of life, it's all about keeping it local. Brought to you by the York County Development Corporation, this is 17 County, Season 4, with a spotlight on York College. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to like, subscribe, and review our podcast, 17 County Podcast. Um, doing so um, helps grow our podcast, and we appreciate the help from our listeners. We would also like to take time today to thank our uh, members, our valued members. Um, without these great members, we wouldn't be able to do um, what we do here at York County Development Corporation. Um, so members such as um, York College, uh, Mead Lumber, Cornerstone Bank, Perennial Power, um, all great members uh, that help us um, drive our mission and achieve what we can here at YCDC. And if you're interested about uh, membership or you know, learning more about you know, what it takes to become a member, um, you can learn more at, a, at our page, yorkdevco.com. That's yorkdevco.com. Let's get into the interview. Um, this person started their career in the South as a lawyer. After four years of being a lawyer, um, he received a, a different calling, a calling that led him and his partner um, here to York and York College. Uh, today, Billy Lonis serves as the York College's uh, Associate Professor of Criminal Justice, and today I just want to welcome Billy to the show. Welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. Awesome. Looking forward to it. Great, great, great. So we just have a fun little segment to get everyone kind of loosened up and talking. Um, so imagine you're walking through the Beaver Creek Trails, um, and you stumble upon this time machine. Um, I guess I don't really know how you know it's a time machine other than you walking up to it. Uh, on it is a note saying that there is a, enough energy in this for a trip to go somewhere and come back. So when and where do you go? Oh, what a question. What a question. Um, two things immediately come to mind. One, I think I may take it uh, back just a few weeks ago uh, when you asked me to be on this podcast and change my answer. <laughs> uh, the second one that comes to mind, uh, maybe 1955 Hill Valley, so I can help save the clock tower. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, yeah, that's a tough one. There's a lot of places and times. I think for me, I would probably want to take it back to March 12th and 13th, 1971, uh, Fillmore East in New York City. Uh, so I could watch the Allman Brothers uh, record what becomes their, their live album at Fillmore East. That would be so kind of, are you a big music buff then? I am a big music buff, a huge Allman Brothers fan. Uh, I think watching, being in the audience, uh, even side stage for that would be amazing. Have you ever been to an Allman Brothers concert then? I have not. Uh, they've disbanded now. Uh, before we had kids, my wife had actually bought tickets. They were going to be like in Council Bluffs or something. Oh, yeah. And she had gotten tickets, hadn't told me, and uh, it's actually when I first transitioned into teaching a little bit as an adjunct at the college. And, and she's walking to that first class with me and like, hey, I'm so proud. I want you to know I got these tickets for us to go to see the Allman Brothers uh, next Friday night. And I just looked at her and said, we can't go. Um, I've got a gig that night. Uh, so I had a little uh, band, a little project, and we were playing for uh, a, a party. Uh, actually, we were playing out at Carrie's uh, yeah. opening football night. And I'm like, we can't go. We're booked. <laughs> so that was my one shot to see them. No, so, that's all right, though. Yeah. I mean, the... The music is always good to enjoy, whether it's you know in person or right. and everything like that. Uh, perfect. So we'll jump in a little bit. Um, talk to me a little bit about your hometown. Where was home? Where'd you grow up? 
Uh, I grew up Rocket City, USA, Huntsville, Alabama. Awesome. Uh, helped put a, a man on the moon. So uh, talk to me a little bit about your family and uh, what that was like um, there in, in, in Alabama, Huntsville, Alabama. Uh, I, I have a great family. I love them dearly, uh, mom and dad, and an, an older brother, my dad. Uh, if you ask him now, he, he's been retired for several years. He'll still say he's a mechanic, but he hasn't been an active mechanic in about 40 years. Uh, in his mid to late 30s, he had a massive heart attack. Okay. Uh, so he sold his business and went to work for the government, mm -hmm. uh, for the Army as a civilian, as a uh, mechanic for them. And then as the government contractor started coming in, he moved into management uh, with the government contractors and did that for uh, about 30 years. That was kind of an interesting transition, you know, from, you know, home, small business, you know, to the government and doing yeah, everything with that. Yeah, he had a, a pretty a decent sized shop uh, there there in town and he's still doing the same thing. And part of the areas he was over for the contractor still dealt with uh, mechanics and automobiles and tanks, just kind of changing some of those radio shop, furniture, a lot of things I never understood really what he was doing. Um, my mom uh, works for NASA. Uh, she actually retired about 23 years ago, and I like to say she's retired four times. <laughs> she retired early. They needed some help. They called her. You know, she came back, and she's uh, will do that for a while. She'll stop, and then they'll call, and she'll go back for a new uh, contractor uh, working in HR uh, for NASA and has done that for 40, 45 years. Maybe. I mean, you must love it. I mean, she must love it if she's you know willing to go back like that. So. Yeah, it, it gives her something to do too. Yeah. Uh, so I think she likes that. I have an older brother. Uh, he's in government contracting too. I, I don't really know much about what he actually does. <laughs> he's but. just one of those mystery men that <laughs> yes. you know he's employed, but that's about it. <laughs> yes, he, he has a job and that's all I know. <laughs> uh, and probably if he tried to explain it to me, I, I wouldn't know. But uh, I think normal... Normal childhood. Uh, we did do. It is a bigger city. I kind of compare it a little bit to Lincoln, mm -hmm. um, but still, where we lived and the way my family uh, operated, because they would have been there when Huntsville was. My parents would have been growing up when it was kind of a smaller place. Still operated in that small town type atmosphere. You help out your neighbors. You know people. Uh, yeah, I could still at that point roam around parts of the town with my friends and basically. Uh, when the street lights come home, or when the street lights come on, you come home. So, talk to me a little bit about um, how you arrived at Faulkner. You know, um, was was that like always kind of a dream, or did you um, just kind of happenstance end up there? I think it just kind of happened. Mm -hmm. uh, I was aware of it, and it's about three, three and a half hours from Huntsville, uh, where I grew up. So, Faulkner's in Montgomery. My one of the high school basketball coaches, his. Uh, older brother at that point was one of the assistant coaches for basketball at Faulkner. Uh, and at that point, I thought maybe I wanted to go play basketball. I, I tried out some different places, had looked at some different things. Uh, but he said, let me take you down here for a couple of days and, and check out the school. And so I went down there, uh, ended up working some with the basketball team, uh, not playing, realizing a whole different level of competition there. Plus, I needed to uh, concentrate on academics uh, for what I decided to do. Uh, but just being there for a couple of days, fell in love with it. Uh, nice atmosphere. Uh, there is something, I'm, this sounds kind of weird sometimes, and maybe people that know me think it's weird, but sometimes you just know if something's right. Uh, so sometimes I'll make purchases, like, I just, yeah, this is the right thing. Mm -hmm. I don't need mm -hmm. to go in. And this, it was kind of like, went to Faulkner, and like, oh, this is, this seems like a, a good fit for me. I think I'm going to come here. 
uh, had already put in a housing deposit at a school in Tennessee. Uh, it was set up to that point that I was going there. And then next thing you know, I'm, I'm down in Montgomery. Yeah, I had a, my high school teacher, you know, English teacher said the exact same thing when we were going on visits our senior year. It was, if you walk on campus, you're going to know immediately if that's the campus for you or not just by the feel of, of everything like that. So I totally understand. Oh, good. Because some people, when I say that, they look no. at me weird. I'm like, you just, I just know. Yep. Yeah. You know, after, you know, joining my fraternity and everything, walking into the, just walking in and feeling the place, it just, it felt like a home. And so I totally, totally get that. Good. And so, um, Faulkner, um, how did you decide upon your undergrad major? What were you kind of leaning towards? Did you bounce back and forth like typical undergrad or were you I, I didn't really bounce back and forth, which is unusual. I went in not knowing what I wanted to do. Uh, when I started as a freshman, the only thing I could think about is I wanted to coach basketball. Mm -hmm. So my thought at that point, I'll go down here and I'll get a degree and then I'll go back to my high school and coach basketball. Just do that, yeah. And, and that's all I thought. I wasn't like, oh, I got to pick a major. What am I really going to do in my life? Do I want to be a teacher or anything of that nature? Uh, so I kind of, I think I went in undeclared. Mm -hmm. And then in that first semester, decided I was going to be a lawyer and focus my efforts on that. And it worked out for, for the most part. Right, yeah, I've yeah, always... So. Um, there's, I don't tell a lot of people this, and I don't know if I should say it, you know, because I'm sure you have, you know, thousands. I have tens of, of listeners. Tens of <laughs> listeners. Uh, I'm, I'm fond of saying that. Uh, when I got down to Faulkner as a freshman, it's the first time I'd ever heard of Court TV. Uh, it may have been out a little bit before that, but I think it was just starting to get on all the cable uh, mm -hmm. channels. So when I'd get out of class, I would go back to my dorm room, and I would watch Court TV. Interesting. Uh, I remember the Menendez brothers were on trial for killing their parents. Uh, the Black Crows were involved in a civil lawsuit during that time. Somebody was suing them for copyright violation. Those, and I, if I thought about it long enough, I could probably come up with some other cases that were that. But I just spent hours and hours watching court TV. And at that point, it was all trials. Mm -hmm. They'd have trials during the day, and at night, they would analyze the trials they showed during the day. So I would watch this, and I thought, man, I could do that. That seems that, interesting. That seems like fun. Yeah. It seems interesting. I can do that. And I decided I'm going to be a lawyer. And I never looked back. That's such an interesting way to land so, upon a... Yes. I don't come from a family of lawyers. Um, I was wondering the connection because typically that's how you, you see it. It's either an it uncle is. or a father or grandpa. Yeah. No. As far as I know, I'm the only one. Uh, there were some uh, people I went to high school with. Their parents were lawyers, but I didn't really know their parents or what they did. I just knew they were, were lawyers. and. <laughs> Yeah, and it's not as exciting uh, sometimes, so I don't necessarily tell a lot of people. If students come, prospective students sit in my office, sometimes I'll tell them that story. But yeah, Court TV decided I was going to be a lawyer. That's pretty. That's pretty unique. That's really cool. Um, so how was your time? Um, so did you? Was it like pre-law as a declared like undergrad, and then you got your master or you went on to JD after that? Basically, yeah. uh, one of the misunderstandings out there is that there is a pre-law degree, and okay. most schools don't actually have a pre-law degree. You have to pick a major. Yeah, that's how I've always, like, most yeah. of my friends or lawyers were, like, history majors. And then, right. Because you write a lot of papers, you do research. Yes. And, stuff like and that. There, there's some people that always just say, oh, I'm pre-law, and schools will sell that because it sounds good. Mm -hmm. But you have to pick a major. And very few, few schools actually have a, law, a degree that mm -hmm. is called pre-law. 
and my undergraduate degree actually my diploma says pre-law on it huh interesting. Uh, it's a I have a liberal arts degree with an emphasis in pre-law because I ended up going to Jones School of Law which is there at Faulkner mm-hmm. and they designed that undergraduate program that's uh, kind of as a feeder type mm-hmm. thing uh, so I may be one of the few out there that actually has a, a degree in pre-law but it is that type of thing there were a lot of extra history classes for the the reading the writing the critical thinking extra English classes classes uh, it took a lot of criminal justice type related classes a lot of law type things to prepare as best as you can to go to law school it's a whole different animal nothing really prepares you so no. I have students come in and they tell me they want to go to law school I'm like great I can help prepare you a little bit and get understanding but until you get there you don't know what it's like and there's nothing I can do uh, to help you and, and sometimes they contact me in their first uh, semester at law school and like you're right <laughs> thanks what have I done but I'm like just hang, stick it out it'll get better yeah, my favorite story that I have about lawyers is um, one of my fraternity alum advisors when I was in college it is a lawyer, and we had a couple fraternity brothers that were wanting to go to law school, and the very first thing he always told them was, don't do that, it's the worst decision you're ever going to make, and then he proceeds to like you know help them and show them kind of what they kind of need to do. That's pretty much what I tell <laughs> students, too. Yeah, your first year, you tend to hate it. Yeah. Uh, it's also new. You're learning how things work. Uh, lots of stress and So many things there. probably thrown at you. Yes. Yeah. Uh, there's just nothing really you can do as an undergraduate to prepare you for. It's a whole different style of teaching, of, of learning, and the amount of stuff you have to know. Mm-hmm. The spectrum that. of, yeah, things, uh, yeah. So I remember that first year uh, going home to my wife saying, I don't know about this. I'm like, but I have to stick it out because i got to give it at least a year to right. see. And then you get into the second year and kind of like, well, I'm I'm almost halfway through. I think that's and then it starts it, getting fun again. And you're like, okay, this is great. So. I think that's where it gets, you know, yeah. You, if you can get to that, you know, two-year kind of halfway point, you're like, well, I'm this far. I'm not going to quit now because right. <laughs> it's a waste now. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and, and there's probably a few people out there that have loved it from the get-go. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know any of them personally. <laughs> I've but, never met those people. Right. It's, <laughs> but, it, yeah, it's, it was a lot of fun uh, with that. No, that seems, that seems great. And it, it's easy for me now looking 20-something years back when I say law school was a lot of fun. You know, in the moment, <laughs> I didn't think that. No, definitely not. No. But how was your experience with the bar? Because I know this past, like, round with COVID and everything – they didn't have much fun with the the bar exam and everything like that. Uh, the bar was the three worst days of my life, probably. Yeah. Uh, I think Alabama has changed theirs to where it's two days now. A lot mm-hmm. of places are just two days and have been for a while. But at the time I took it, it was three days. Um, and that seems grueling like, to put you through yeah, three days. Yeah, it's like days. eight hours a day. And it's, it's one of those things that you study all these things in law school and then you go take the bar exam. Two portions of it. There's the multi-state portion which I explain as extremely hard multiple choice questions mm-hmm. so the question may be a half a page long and ask you one little thing because it sets up the facts for it and then it there's an actual question there uh, all four answer choices may be correct all four may be wrong and you're having to pick the most correct out of those and uh, so that's tough and also you, know, you have a we had a couple of days two days of essays yeah. And you, it may be on something related to that particular topic that you may not even have discussed and lost. Like ever. So you're just yeah. making up kind so of. So you're trying to, to get it all in. You know, I think I was prepared. I probably could have studied a little bit more for it. Uh, I did a, a six-week prep course to go back and review things from the first year of law school. And it works through. So that was six weeks, I think five days a week. 
They're fighting knights. Do they call on many things from year one? Like, is it one of those things where they trick you up, where they try to call on things that are so, like, you maybe kind of forgotten, like little details? Or... Uh, no, probably not little details mm -hmm. like that. And I don't even remember why it was in year one uh, <laughs> back then. But just as general concepts mm -hmm. uh, with that. Um, I took a couple of weekend seminars through my law school to help refresh some of those type of things. And, and they look at previous bar exams say these are the types of questions you see. So a lot of it is more you're understanding the type of question you may get and then trying to analyze it. But I don't remember what day it was uh, during the bar exam I came home. Uh, luckily at that point it was in, offered in Montgomery. So I, I went home every night. This time it was uh, I think in Birmingham. So people went in hotel rooms. Yeah, that'd be cool. Uh, but I came home at some point, it may have even been the last day, and I told my wife if I fail, I'm finding something else to do. Not, I'm not giving it another. I'm, I'm not doing it again. Uh, it, it was rough uh, from that standpoint. Again, I really didn't, probably didn't study as much as I should have. I did those little courses. I took a week off of work, kind of studied during that mm -hmm. point. And then you know, several months later, get the results that I had passed. Uh, so I was prepared to be a nervous wreck because we knew when the results were supposed to come out, they came out a week early. Oh, so that was probably the best thing for me because <laughs> I was already prepared like, oh, next gonna, week is going to be horrible. I'm going to be in a bad mood. I, I'm just going to be waiting. Yeah. Yeah. And then my wife comes in on that Friday afternoon. She went, she got the mail and she's just holding this envelope and it's like kind of shaking, holding it by the edges. Like, you, you may want to open this. And there was, I passed. So. so you spent about four years as an attorney down there. Uh, how did that kind of go? Yeah, it was uh, interesting. It was a lot of fun uh, just because of the timing of some different things. Uh, some of the places that I, uh, law firms that I had wanted to maybe uh, work at, they weren't hiring uh, at that point. 9-11 uh, happened, but there's also some other things before that. So I struck out on my own. Because uh, this was like, what, 2000 to 2003 or 99, 2003, something uh, like that? 2000... 2003-ish. Okay. 2004, actually. So I think I graduated in 2000, passed the bar 2001, and, and then, then we practiced until we moved here right. in uh, 2004. Okay. Uh, so I guess about three and a half years of active practice and, and finished up a few things uh, when we were here. Uh, but we moved back uh, to Huntsville, where I'm from, to, and I opened shop as a, a solo practitioner, uh, taking uh, whatever kind of cases I could get. At that point, luckily, we had met some people along the way. My wife had made some connections through her work as a recruiter for Faulkner. Mm -hmm. So uh, there were a number of lawyers uh, that I could call on for advice. Uh, a couple of people I went to high school with. Uh, they come from families of lawyers, uh, very small firms, though. But uh, they were just a couple of years ahead of me. Mm -hmm. And they went to law school at Jones, too. So I knew them there as well. So I could call on them for that advice. networking. Mm -hmm. Uh, some of them would hire me to do some of their legal research for appeals and stuff. So that was nice. Uh, but just jumped in feet first, whatever I could get. Kind of uh, the joke is a catfish lawyer. You know, some catfish you just throw back because people don't want to eat it. Uh, I would just take whatever I could get there at the beginning. Did a fair amount of criminal defense. Mm -hmm. uh, did some guardian ad litem work for uh, those alleged to have serious mental illness for involuntary commitment hearings. Did some business stuff, helping people organize their businesses, getting all the paperwork and the legality set up for that, contracts. S-Corps, LLCs. Yes, all that fun stuff. <laughs> um, yeah, just, just a little bit of everything. 
That's uh, kind of good, yeah. Pro- probably a little bit more than, or almost half of it was criminal defense, but then a lot of other things that didn't involve You didn't feel stuff. like you had to do one set that you were comfortable enough to kind of... Yeah, I was comfortable uh, branching out. If I'd stayed in it for a lot longer, I probably would have developed a niche mm-hmm. uh, market there and just done some of the other stuff. Uh, as it comes. Yeah, yeah, not necessarily seeking it out. But, uh, it's kind of nice because... Every day is going to be different. You don't get stagnant just seeing the same types of things over and over. But some people like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I was in law school with a married couple, and I ran into the husband. Uh, actually, I was at the courthouse doing some title work because uh, for real estate closing, and I and I talked to him, and that's all he did was real estate closings and transactional work, and he loved it. And he didn't want to go to send it every day. And his wife was, you know, a trial attorney, and and that's what she loved. And like she would hate it, right? If yeah. she did what I did, and right? So it's it's very open field in what you you do. And most people don't realize it's very diverse with that. In my whole law career, and even sometimes I think, man, I want to go back to it. Sometimes I miss doing the intensive legal research. Sometimes I miss the going to court uh, type thing. Uh, and people question, why did you leave that? But all they ever see are oh, you can make a lot of money. And and there are lawyers out there that make a lot of money. Right. Most of them make a decent living. Right, it's, yes. It's not, well, there's a big misconception there. But for me, uh, the whole thing about practicing law was about helping people, mm-hmm. uh, whether that was a criminal defendant, whether that was uh, in a commitment proceeding. Uh, I helped with a, a few adoption proceedings. And, you know, when those, the joy on everybody's face there, like put together this new family and I played a role in that, or even helping somebody set up their S-Corp or LLC or something of that nature and, and get some of their employment contracts in place. And that's what it was about for me. I saw the law as a means for actually helping people, not necessarily as a way that I'm going to make a lot of money. So how did um, how did you end up wrapping up your time? How did you know your time as attorney was maybe coming to a close? Or what was? how did that kind of look like? Okay. Uh, I'm not sure it still has come to a close because, <laughs> again, there are days that, man, I, I really want to pack it in here and go back to, to court. Uh, but that's that was kind of a mutual decision uh, between my wife and I. Uh, I mentioned that she had recruited for Faulkner, which is where we both ended up going to school. She did that while I was in law school, and she did it for some time after I'd gotten out and was practicing law. Uh, and she did it remotely. Mm-hmm. For their main campus, they had a satellite campus in Huntsville, so she was stationed there, but still recruited for the main campus, and uh, it just kind of got a little uh, difficult. So she left that. Uh, I'm practicing law, and I get a call from uh, a buddy of mine from college, and he is now going to my high school, which was a private Christian school. He's teaching there. He's coaching basketball, and he called me one day and said, "Hey, we need some help. I know that that you can can do some of this stuff from being around you with the teams uh, in college." Would you consider helping us out with, uh, I think it was probably the eighth grade team, heading mm-hmm. that one up, but also help with the, the high school teams. And I'm like, well, let me see. And it worked out to where I, I did that. And, and there was another a gentleman who was a legitimate rocket scientist. <laughs> and uh, he, he was, we were kind of the associate head coaches uh, for that. And, you know, yeah, that was weird because he's like, you can't call me during the day because I can't take my phone into the building. And But I'll, you know, when I get breaks, I'll call and we can talk about practice. And, and there were days that I was leaving court going straight to a game or, or something of that nature. I remember once that it started warm-ups and I sat down 
and then it's time to start the game because I had left the court. So, you know, I'm glad they had that assistance there. Uh, but being back around that Christian school environment uh, really had me start to think. And my wife had left Faulkner, so she's a little bit around that environment too when she's not working. And we started to feel that our calling in life was to be in Christian education. And we talked about it for a while. We prayed about it, and we started thinking about who are people that we know that we could talk to and ask for advice. And at that point, uh, the president of York College, Dr. Wayne Baker, mm -hmm. had been a vice president when we were at Faulkner. My, uh, my wife knew him, too, from growing up. Mm -hmm. And she's like, I'm going to call Wayne and see what he has to say yeah. about this. Just to, and she was just calling for some advice. How do we get back into this? What should we look for? What avenue should we go? Uh, with that so she called him and uh, had a good conversation he knew I was practicing law knew some of the things I was doing knew that somehow knew that I was doing some estate planning and some things of that nature more than some of the advice to uh, well we've got this position here that I think your husband should look into at, at the point that we're looking for uh, somebody in advancement uh, for a planned gifts officer helping with estate planning uh, some tax gifts you know some of those type of things and so she told me about that. I'm like, well, okay. Well, I don't know that that's really what I want to do, but we'll think about it. Uh, we kept praying, and uh, next thing you know, we're applying for jobs here in, in York at York College. And uh, we came out here to visit uh, the end of April and middle of June. Mm -hmm. We're here. Uh, so I really think it, it was God. Uh, bring us here kind of I, and everything it's easy to look back and see things but I think about every step of my professional career and a lot of my personal things too was probably God preparing me to be able to come to York and eventually uh, start the criminal justice program here uh, may not have recognized all that in the time but we, we felt very confident that God was leading us to York and here we are Explain to me a little bit about building up the criminal justice program, because was there a program before you got here? Or? There was not a program. It started in uh, 2008. Okay. It started the, the uh, fall of 2008 with zero declared majors. <laughs> Finished that year with six. Hey. Uh, got into double digits the next year. Uh, hover around 35, uh, sometimes 40 majors now. Uh, I don't know what it is right now. There have been years that we've had about 50 majors with that so I came in that's a good percentage of your campus though because the uh, campus is only what 550 600 something of that nature I'm yeah. not sure. but yeah it's a decent amount it's yeah. grown tremendously over the years that's awesome I mean that's a I mean a testament to the program I mean it's I, it I hope a so great I program think, I think we're doing some some good things and I tell people it's great I tell people I'm great so hopefully they'll believe it <laughs> and it comes true but yeah we moved here and I started in advancement Helping, mm -hmm. you know, being the face, of, being a face of the college, helping uh, raise money uh, through estate plans and helping people with some uh, different things related to tax and legal issues with gifts. Almost as soon as we got on campus, there were some of the professors asking us, you know, what can you teach? What would you teach? When are you going to start teaching for us? And I'm like, well, that's not what I'm here. Thanks. Uh, thanks for the confidence. You don't even know me yet. I'm glad you have so much yet. Um, and then, you know, some of that continued, but over the years, uh, I kept getting questions from a particular uh, faculty member about what, what do you think it would take to start criminal justice here? His son had come to York for uh, two years and then transferred uh, elsewhere to get a degree in criminal justice, had, uh, is a, a state trooper. 
And he, he, a couple of years in a row, he was asking me this and trying to, to figure out maybe what it would take. And I'm not really the expert on it at this point. I don't, I don't know. I've never much. built one. You know, I don't right. know. <laughs> so uh, truth of the matter is I kind of like, you need to quit asking me this. <laughs> so without telling anybody, and at that point, my wife was uh, the director of admissions, and I knew that there a lot of students were requesting information. Do we have criminal justice programs? So I had some of that insight and data from that. So I started doing, uh, in my spare time, uh, some research into criminal justice and criminal justice degrees. I put together a proposal, and I went and gave it to this particular uh, faculty member at, at some point. And I think at some point I let him know that I'm working on putting this together for you. I gave it to him, I stepped out of it, and he, uh, I'd already started to adjuncting a little bit with some of the classes that I was qualified for uh, about a year before the program started. Uh, so it, it's going through the channels, and uh, March 2008, it got approved. And I, I know that because our son had just been born, and um, got a call uh, maybe that first week of April because he was born at the end of March uh, from the then academic dean and said, hey, I want you to know that the board approved the criminal justice degree on the condition that you teach it. I'm like, I'm in. Uh, you know, I just had, just had my first child. Uh, Sign me up. I don't have to travel anymore because <laughs> I was doing some traveling uh, for advancement. Uh, I get summers off. I'm in. Deal. So I don't know that I really get summers off, but <laughs> off. at that point it sounded like I did, yeah, not knowing. So that's kind of how it started. Uh, and we built it from scratch. Um, I, I say we. I, I primarily have been the only professor. We've had uh, a couple other people help us some uh, along the way. I think we have a quality program. It's uh, a general criminal justice uh, program. There's not really any specializations. It helps you, though, for entry-level positions and almost anything. It helps you if you want to just go to graduate school. We've had a few people do that. If you want to go to law school, uh, it helps you with that. We've had some that have done that, some that are there now, some graduated top of their class. Uh, we have we even have some local police officers that are graduates of the program. So I thought, yeah. Uh, sheriff's deputies, state troopers all over, some federal agents, people in corrections, uh, as guards, as caseworkers, probation, parole uh, officers. Do you see them go any, like, one direction, like, from here? Or is it kind of a shotgun? They go just about everywhere. Uh I'm going to say it's a little bit of a shotgun mm -hmm. uh, because one of the things I try to do in their time, in the student's time at York is get to know them a little bit on a personal level and think, okay, what do you want to do? Or maybe the better question is, what do you think you want to do? <laughs> and then as I kind of get to know them and say, okay, I think you would be really good at this. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's, it's all over. We do have a lot that go into law enforcement mm -hmm. uh, and we have a good number that go on to law school. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I think even though it's a little bit lesser, there's still a, a large number that go into something related to corrections, whether it's an, an institutional corrections or if it's probation and parole work. Uh, so I, it's probably uh, spread out pretty evenly for the most part. So talk to me. You mentioned uh, director of uh, planned giving, and then I believe you were also dean of online classes or something like that? How did that kind of come yes. about? Okay, so when I came in, I was uh, a plan giving officer. Mm -hmm. And then somewhere near the end of, of that tenure, I there was they needed some help on the faculty side. So I was adjuncting and then we got the criminal justice degree approved. 
was doing that for a number of years. And at some point, uh, Dr. Steve Ackman, who was previous president, uh, called me, wanted to take me to lunch one day, which anytime some, you know, he wanted to take you to lunch, you knew he's going to ask you to do something. <laughs> Here comes uh, the big ask. <laughs> so, you know, we're just chit-chatting over lunch. And then he, he says, I, uh, I want you to consider being the dean of the online college. Uh, it, I want a commitment of two years. And here are some things that I want you to do. And I, I said, okay, let me, let me have some time to think about it. And uh, I went to him the next day and said, okay, I'll do it. Uh, that was a reduction in my teaching load, not in anything else related to it. So I just taught a few less classes uh, and tried to um, turn some things around with the online or, or help shore up some of the processes and some things of that uh, nature. So I did that for about two and a half years. Uh, after I had fulfilled his two-year request, I accomplished the, the few goals that he had given me he wanted mm -hmm. to have, have done. Uh, I started asking if I could go back into the classroom full-time, uh, missing some of that day-to-day -day interaction or the amount of interaction that I had with the students and really being able to prepare them for the future. Uh, so uh, he eventually said, yeah, we, we'll make that happen. Uh, so I went back full-time into the classroom. It there certainly does take you know a certain type of person to enjoy the curriculum, the administration, the higher kind of bigger picture instead of dealing with the actual product. I right, guess. and I enjoy both sides of it, but uh, I tell people that, in essence, I was still doing two full-time jobs, mm -hmm. trying to, to deal with the online and help get some of the things uh, running a little bit better and managing what was already in place. Even though I was teaching less classes, I, I was teaching two classes instead of four, I still had 30 to 40 advisees. I still had to deal with all the curriculum, all the report mm -hmm. writing. Uh, and I think I managed it well for that time period, but I don't know that that's something that was long-term sustainable. It wasn't going to, yeah, two years was about as long as so, it could run. Yeah, yeah. so I think I, you know, hopefully I left a good mark there and, and well, online has continued to grow and, and it's just taking off and leaps and bounds now. No, it's great that, yeah, that, you know, the online is becoming even more of a, a thing. I think it's a great way to kind of grow your population without, I mean, you don't want to ruin you don't want to water down your mission you know because that's a huge part with the transformation right. and i think that comes with being on campus you can't really do that online um but yeah i think an online portion you know is, is a good part to have for sure right and in today's educational world it's almost a must-have right mm -hmm. with that and, and and there are ways that we can translate our mission into online you just have to look at it from a, a little different standpoint do some things that you normally don't do or don't think about Mm -hmm. uh, which I think uh, we've done uh, decent in the past, but I think where we're going now with some of those uh, things are really good. Life here in York, when you, you know, what's it been like over the last um, kind of 16 years, I guess? Maybe talk to me a little bit about, you know, now versus, you know, then, or maybe some first initial thoughts of York that you've had or. Okay, when we first uh, came here, we were really looking forward to it. We liked uh, the idea of the small town aspect. Uh, one of the things my wife said when we were uh, getting ready to come here is that she wanted a house on a brick street. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, old houses have old house problems, but oh, yeah. we have a house on a brick <laughs> street, um, and the brick actually stops in front of our neighbor's yard, our neighbor's house. So we're firmly there. We're the last one that's completely... 
in that uh, we really looked forward to that small town environment and atmosphere, but it was culture shock for us. We both grew up in much larger places, came from a much larger place. And um, advantages and disadvantages, but a lot of people know you. Mm -hmm. And we didn't realize this when we first came. Uh, so we moved, we came to town, I don't remember what day it was. Uh, we'd gone to church uh, Wednesday night, so we came in on a Tuesday or Wednesday. So we're there. Uh, they introduced us as being new to town, being new to college. Didn't think anything about it. Uh, the next day, we're in Walmart, which at that point was Walmart. Right. Lipsy's is now. Small. Yeah, it was a small so Walmart. It yeah. may have been the smallest Walmart in America. <laughs> but So we're getting some things that we need to, to set up living here. And uh, we're in one of the aisles. There's a gentleman that walks past. He backs up and looks at us and says, hey, are you the new kids in town? Like, yeah. How did you? And then he just walks off. He's like, welcome. And he just walks off. I have no idea who this is. I'm like, what have we done? This is a what, little what bit What box did I here. just open? Um, later on, came to realize it was uh, Dr. Tim McNeese. Okay. So, head of the history department, mm -hmm. history professor. We had no idea. And it wasn't clicking fast enough that we had just got introduced at church as the new people in town. But that part really scared us. <laughs> Uh, about that but we do love the small town atmosphere uh, you get to know people uh, pretty well and I think even with both of us growing up in large cities we kind of had that with our little neighborhoods and, mm -hmm. and friend groups uh, there and that, that idea of community was important uh, to us um, that would be a little kind of taken aback to have a complete stranger recognize you and say hello and then yes just keep going like especially if you've never yeah, growing up in a small, because to me that just seems, you know, that's normal. But yeah, I guess. Right, there is, there is no way. I mean, I could literally, you know, being in Huntsville, or even when we were in Montgomery, uh, you could go for months going places and never seeing anybody that you knew. Mm -hmm. Here, that's almost impossible. I don't think I've gone a know. day without going somewhere. Right, you know, yeah. whether you're just running down to, to the gas station, Walmart, you're, oh, you're going to run into somebody that you know here. But, mm -hmm. So that kind of freaked us out a little bit. That would be, um, but yeah. Yeah, we, we love the small town living. It's it's nice, uh, pretty safe environment, mm -hmm. uh, really good for a, for our kids. Um, I, it is interesting that we talk about, you know, if we don't have something that we can't get here in town, Lincoln's not that far away. It's not. You know, what, 45, 50 minutes, yeah. and maybe maybe a little bit more depending on where you're actually going there. So, we'll, you know, maybe have to make a Sam's run or we can't find something we need in town, so we'll go over there. Uh but I found myself over the years complaining that man, I got to go all the way to Lincoln, or now I've got I got to go all the way out to Walmart, which yeah. is why like three and a half miles from my house. It's a ten minute drive, yeah. But you know, oh, 45 minute, 50 minute drive to Lincoln, just yeah. oh, I don't want to do that. And then we're gonna be over there all day. Yep, yeah. And, and I don't want to do that. Let's just run in and get out, and that never works. Run out, in and get way. out is the biggest myth that we've ever it told is. ourselves. Um, but in Huntsville or in Montgomery. It may take 45 minutes just to cross, go across town. There were days with my uh, when I would leave my office, I figured this out, and I would either leave a little early or I would leave late. Because if I left at quitting time, it took me 45 minutes to an hour to get home. Mm -hmm. If I would work another 15, 30 minutes, I'd be home in 12 minutes. Right. Uh, same thing going in or, you know, it may take us 45 minutes to drive across town to get to the mall anyway. Mm-hmm. But because everything's so close here, I expect, oh, I should just be able to run down. And so that, that's something that's interesting. You have to keep in mind that 
it's not that bad to drive over to Lincoln to, to get what you need if you can't find it here in town. Um, because that's what we were doing anyway. And I guess because it was all in the city mm-hmm. and right. driving by and it was more traffic and those, we didn't think, oh, yeah, this takes a long time to get here, but we didn't think much about it. Then I had, we had a, so here, um, YCDC and uh, the Chamber of Commerce both have interns with uh, York College. And um, one of the York College students was here and I got to talk into with her and she was talking about how they always describe things as minutes away around here. Because if you were to say miles away, like 50 miles away in Los Angeles might as well be like another country. Right. And so when you say like, oh, Lincoln's 50 miles away, they're like, well, that's forever. But if you just say, oh, it's only 45 minutes away, that makes way more sense. It makes it seem a lot smaller and, and things like that. So that I had, that just didn't make any sense to me. And then all of a sudden, you know, I'm like, okay, that, that does make sense, I guess. Right. Yeah. Um, to describe it that way. And so it it's super conveniently <laughs> located to things, you know. What Grand Island's the other direction is mm-hmm. what about forty five minutes? Yeah, I mean, I love to do the east west yeah. thing all the time. I mean, Chicago is six hours uh, east, uh, Denver six hours west, um, Minneapolis is like five hours north, um, Dallas, Austin is like seven hours south. So I mean, we are right in the middle of yeah, everything. You, you can get to a lot of places <laughs> relatively quick mm-hmm. from here. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's my favorite part about being. I love to travel, and so that's what I, I kind of like is just being how conveniently located it is. Um, so, what are some maybe things that um, you're looking to see kind of improve or hoping for um, in the community over maybe the next you know five, ten, fifteen years? What are some things that maybe would make York a little bit um, better? Isn't that your job? <laughs> I'm trying to get ideas. Oh, you're trying to get ideas. <laughs> uh, you know, over the years, my wife and I have talked about this some, and I, I don't know. I, I'm obviously from the Deep South. I still have that Deep South mentality, and a lot of things I relate back to that. So I don't know if some of the things I would like to see would work mm-hmm. uh, with the population of, of York. No, but one of the things that I really miss that I would love to see here, and there's some locations da- downtown around the square that this would be great for, is a meet and three. What? A meet and three. It's a restaurant. Okay. Uh, it's just a style of restaurant. Most of them are only open for breakfast and lunch, so from about six to two. Mm-hmm. And it's exactly what it sounds like. The menu rotates daily, and there's some things that are pretty constant, but you have a couple of choices of a meat as a main dish. And then three vegetables. Okay. Or you get a meat, two vegetables, and a dessert. And it's all reasonably priced. Huh. Uh, but I would love that. I miss that. That would be uh, interesting. You know. Yeah. So that that kind of thing. We would go to those all the time. Of course, they're on almost every corner. Down there, we, yeah. Uh, where we came from. And I had never heard of them. So, yeah, <laughs> you just run in there. And it's it's almost like a cafeteria style. Yeah. Some, some places you sit down and you order, but they bring it out real quick because everything. Others you go through the line, just like, yeah, I want just a little diner. I'll have some fried chicken, uh, have, you know, mashed potatoes, give me some of those collard greens, and I'll have peach cobbler. And... So, so their, JW's their Catering is about the only place I could think of that does something kind of like that meat and three. So you okay. go in, they have their set kind of menu, but then they have like a rotating, like daily menu that you can kind of walk in and they box everything up and then you can either eat it there or go. So JW's catering might be something you maybe explore. Okay, as... I'll definitely check that out. I've I've eaten some of his food at, mm-hmm. at different events and loved it. If you can sneak over the lunch hour today so... or sometime next week or whatever, I think that might be something 
close to what you're kind of okay. wanting. Uh, it's not going to be exactly the same, right. but I think it's going to be close to what you're kind of kind of wanting. So okay. yeah, yeah, I'd definitely check that out. So yeah, JWs, um, also a shout out. <laughs> like some, uh, were they a member? Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. Good for them. Mm -hmm. uh, if something else too, I'd like to see some uh, entertainment options mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in town. And again, this these are things I like. I'm a big music fan. Uh, during the summer, during non-pandemic times, we spent every Friday night uh, over in Lincoln at the outdoor mall for their concerts. Do you go to the Jazz in June? Or, or We've you... never done that. Okay, Jazz in June is also um, a fun one if you ever get a chance. I think we've looked at it before, but there have been some scheduling conflicts for us. Right, right. And this uh, past year, they probably didn't even do it. I don't it, think so, they did yeah. or very different. But we, we map out fr Friday nights. We go to Lincoln. We eat and we enjoy the concerts uh, there at the outdoor mall. I, I would love to see some of those type of things here. Uh, again, where I grew up in Huntsville, they did that some uh, on the courthouse square. Mm -hmm. They would actually have four different bands playing on different corners. Now, a much bigger courthouse and. and mm -hmm. You know, so not a lot of sound bleed with that, but have. I mean, we could have one. I mean, we could easily have one here. I mean, on our courthouse and everything like that. Yeah, right. you know, and those are things I enjoy. Mm -hmm. I would love to see some of those here. You know, I may be the only one in town that enjoys that. I, I have know. talked with so many friends about um, wanting to have like a mini concert series over the summer here at Chances Are in their beer garden. I think that one would be Friday great. a month from June, July, August. You bring in a concert, you know, on the Friday or Saturday or whatever, just as a test. Obviously, you want to just see right. a test sample to see if it works, but I think it would draw a lot of people. I really do. Yeah, that or some sort of mini half-day festival, mm -hmm. bring in some, you know, maybe somebody from outside of, of York, but I know there's local talent. There's a lot of good local and musicians. Mm -hmm. do some things here. Uh, again, those are the type of things I really enjoy. No, that would be, that would be something kind of cool to have here. Um, so when we talked a little bit about recruiting, so when you talk to people about, uh, coming to York, what are, how do you recruit people to York? What are some of your kind of things that you kind of to promote? recruit them to York college, to York college, to um, York, if you're just, you know, passing for, a friend and you know, okay. what do you love about York? You know? Uh, well, if they're coming to York college, I try to sell the experience that they're going to get with me. Okay. <laughs> right, you, you go somewhere else, you may get an education, but you're not going to get me. You're not going to be hanging out with me. Every right. right. And, and I'm going to take a, a personal interest in you. I'm going to watch out for you. Uh, I'm going to help you be successful. Uh, so that's kind of, and then also I do sell the academic standpoint <laughs> and that our students are going on and they're doing great things and they're being very well prepared for that. Uh, I do try to sell for both the college and uh, the city, the small town atmosphere mm -hmm. that people care about you people will look after you uh, even if they don't know you mm -hmm. uh, they're oftentimes will checking in on you and sometimes uh, particularly when we think of students they come in from much larger places and when I tell them that I'm looking at their parents and their parents are they're relieved to know that okay they're somebody's going to take care of them and and look out for them uh, so I think that it, it is a pretty friendly place uh, Low crime, if you know, I was trying to talk to somebody that had kids, our school system, oh, second to phenomenal. nine. Uh, over the past several years, people have uh, sent me job announcements or inquired about, hey, would you be interested in, in maybe looking at coming to work for us? And uh, one of the first things I look at is, well, what are the schools like there? What opportunities do mm -hmm. they have? Because my kids have the opportunity to be involved in 
Anything. Like 8 million things. Anything and everything and, you could want. Yes. And, and and my kids are wanting to do it all, which makes scheduling <laughs> difficult. You know, they have the opportunities with the different programs there. The academics are outstanding. Uh, so I think that's a big selling point. I sometimes forget that we are only a town of 8,000 with all the activities that we offer. Because you would think that we are Lincoln or Omaha with all the science clubs, the one act, the sports, the band, all of it. Right. Uh, you know, my son did the children's theater this year. Mm -hmm. uh, socially distanced. Right. Walk on the walking trail <laughs> where the time machine is. They left it out there. They probably did. Uh, yeah. But, you know, that thing for them to be involved in is just amazing uh, opportunities. Opportunities that they have through Parks and Rec. Mm -hmm. uh, didn't uh, your son do the um, entrepreneur camp too like a couple yes. of summers ago yeah yes, I mean, he that did was... that uh, loved it mm -hmm. uh, I'm kind of shocked that he didn't do it again I think because uh, a chunk of it was going to be online, oh yeah a lot of it was virtual yeah. they like because we're done with that yeah. but, you know, they finished out their <laughs> school year doing it virtual and they're like no I don't want to do that so mm -hmm. maybe when things return to normal they'll both hop back into that which would be good yeah we'll love to have them back but so. yeah, that was, that's a great experience too. Yeah. And I hadn't uh, heard of that type of thing except a few years ago, seeing it, it happen here. So that's, that's, yeah, that's great that that happens here. I really like that because um, it gets kids, you know, a really good, not, a, I mean, it gets them a good understand, a basic understanding of what it kind of looks like to run a business. You know, it's nothing too complex to where they feel like they're stressed or freaked out, but it's enough stress to where it's, it's good. It's a healthy man. Right, and it may create some interest, and mm -hmm. they, someone, one of these kids may see it as like, yeah, this is, is what I want to do. So they focus some of their studies and activities on developing a product that can be mass-marketed or yeah. providing some sort of service. So, and just getting them yeah. critical thinking, you know, through, you know, what is, like, how do people invent things? Well, it's because there's something that's needed, you know, you're, there's a problem and you, you're looking right. to solve it. And usually, usually those are the biggest sellers is if you can make someone's life a little bit easier, they're going to buy millions of that thing. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And, and all the skills that you're learning in that type of camp, you can transfer to almost anything else. Exactly. And, and that's one of the great things. And, and I like my kids to be involved in a variety of things, even if it doesn't really interest them at the time, I'm trying to tell them, just like I tell my own students. The things that you're learning here are transferable to mm -hmm. other aspects of your life. You just have to figure it out and how to do that. Part of the process of figuring out what you like is figuring out what you dislike. And Absolutely. you have to experience those things in order to dislike them. You can't just dislike something without experiencing it. Right. And so, for sure. Um, so, we'll, we'll kind of wrap up our interview here with some, some rapid-fire questions. Um, some fun little questions to just kind of end things up. So, favorite restaurant here in York County? Is there, if, if family comes in from out of town or you got a, a, something like that, what's a place you got to take people? We're probably heading out to Carrie's. Yeah, yeah, I love yeah, that. Been to, we, uh, we were taken there early on in our tenure here. Uh, Dr. Baker again took us to Carrie's back when it was in the old house. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, and then they were building the building it's in now behind that and we were out there on maybe a I don't know the exact time so maybe on a Friday mm -hmm. in the house we show up on Sunday the house is gone and then we're eating in the new place so <laughs> we, we've spent a lot of time out there over the years yeah I, I, yeah Carrie does a great job for the community I mean all the support he had with the school this past um with COVID and everything with the the lunch program he helped up stepped up and helped the McCool school system with 
Yeah, he does a. He's a great part of that community. Carrie and Lisa, are wonderful people, mm-hmm. uh, and their daughter is going to be at York College in the fall. So oh, awesome! I didn't know too. that. That's yeah, awesome. Olivia is going to be coming. Uh, I'm not sure what she's studying, but she's going to play Good volleyball. Good for her. Good for her. I think I saw the track, a so. volleyball announcement actually. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Great for her. Um, thoughts on esports at York College? Um, kind of a new esports, a new breaking, emerging sport or whatever. What, yeah, what do you I, got? I don't really know much about esports. Uh, I know we're getting it at the college. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're in the process of hiring a coach now or looking for a coach. Maybe by the time this is released, there'll be a, a coach in place. Uh, it's going to be interesting just from my standpoint because I don't know anything about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not my wheelhouse. That's not the world I live in. And so, But anything I think that helps get students to York College helps get uh, students into the, the city of York, into the county of York, and can experience what we have to offer is is going to be good. We're going to get a, a, maybe a different type of student. I don't know. I don't know the people that play esports, I'm really f- what it is. So that's going to be interesting to see that. But it's going to get more students uh, to us that then we can impact in different ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that's good. And maybe some of them will stick around. Uh, I think of some so. of, of my friends that I have here that I didn't know them because they're roughly my age, but they went to York College and they've settled here. They've raised, raised their family here. So uh, hopefully we can get a few more of those involved in the community. I'm looking forward to the first uh, two-sport athlete too as well. You know, maybe we'll have a basketball e-sport kind yeah, of player, right? I'm sure. <laughs> that would not surprise me. <laughs> so, you know, as much as those guys love their 2K uh, right. basketball, I, I, it wouldn't surprise yeah, me. Yeah, and I don't even know what t- what games they play in e-sports. I don't know. I think it's like FIFA and Call of Duty. And so I guess it's some like sports and some like action Okay. Uh, stuff like that. So it's kind of that. There's like a soccer league one, I guess, where they race around these cars and try to shoot goals with cars. I don't know. There's a lot of different kind of games, it's, I guess. It has changed my perspective a little bit. Uh, our children, 11 and 12, uh, we're trying to keep them from being addicted to their devices. Mm-hmm. And the other day, uh, my son was on his playing some sort of video game. And I kind of, I like, really you're doing that again i mean how long have you been doing that but then there's also this thought of well you can go to college and do that now so maybe i need to encourage that it's so, all about healthy balance you right. know you got to make sure it's it's balance all Absolutely. about balance you know, four hours on the tablet four hours outside <laughs> um favorite meal you have whether it's a home-cooked meal or is there a meal at carries Man, that maybe you tough. Um, or maybe one of both. Uh, I'm, I'm open for all courts uh, of answer. That's really tough. I, I really love food. No, yeah. uh, my, my family loves food. Uh, a lot of people are probably going to expect me to say barbecue. Oh, yeah, from uh, the South. I do a yeah. Lot, yeah, from the South. We love barbecue. Uh, I do a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of smoking meat at my house. Uh, all year long, doesn't matter. You know, we get some snow on the ground now. but if, Fire up we'll, that smoke. We'll fire it up. Get it going. going. Uh, so that, I love fried chicken. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Past couple of years, we've really been into uh, Nashville hot chicken, which mm-hmm. is fried chicken, spicy. Oh, gee, yeah. Uh, so sometimes it makes your eyeballs sweat. I've been to it's Nashville good. and had the hot chicken or whatever. Okay, where the, did, do you remember where you went? Uh, it was the whatever the big place. It, it was. Um, oh, there's like there's, Hattie B's. It was Hattie B's. Hattie B's. That was my first introduction to it. Down in Nashville, I went yeah. to this like place. Uh, I was it, down there for a bachelor party. It was different. It was hot. I'm not a big spice person, okay. so I had to get the lowest heat. Um, but and it's still spicy. It was still hot. It was yeah, still that spicy. was the first one I got, and it was it was spicy. The my wife and kids they just get the regular southern fried chicken. But mm-hmm. I, 
Uh, we tried to stop, and we have some uh, graduates of York College that live in Nashville. Oh, that's so fine. we tried to stop yeah. and, and meet with them. Sometimes we go to lunch, and uh, I keep trying to up my my spice level there. But the first time we were there, somebody must have got the hottest one they had because oh. we were eating out on the patio. We went back. <laughs> I went back inside to refill my uh, drink. And this gentleman was just sweating. Like, it's torture. just all over. I'm like, why do you do that? You don't want to be so hot that you don't enjoy I it. I want to enjoy the food. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do kind of like that. Um, probably my favorite is going to be boiled crawfish. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so with the sausage, corn, potatoes, all in that pot. Uh, we have crawfish shipped in from Louisiana, typically once a year for my birthday. I was going to say, do you do boils or anything yeah, like that? We, yeah. We typically do one for my birthday. That's fun. Uh, every year, I have it, have it shipped in. So. I always see those type. The, you know, you, they're throwing in all the, you know, the big things of corn on the cob. Yeah. Just throwing those full chunks in, and the kielbasa or whatever. It's and, a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. And I, I love that. So I think that's probably my favorite meal. I only get it now like once a year. When we lived in Alabama, uh, we would go to a restaurant that uh, was ran by a guy from uh, just outside New Orleans in Slidell. Uh, so he would go get it every week. And, I bet those are some interesting stories from that gentleman. <laughs> yeah, he had some stories. You know, the first time I'm like, I want to try this. And I'd never really had it before. So I ordered the crawfish platter. So it's three pounds of crawfish, some corn, some potatoes, some sausage. And uh, I think I may have seen on TV how you do it. But I'm going, he walks by, he's like, your first time? I'm like, yes, sir. Like, Let me show you how to do it. So he just takes one off of my tray and, and eats it right there. And, uh, you know, a great experience. Again, some great people. They were sad when we moved. I bet. Uh, yeah. Because we were there probably three days a the week. The regulars. Yeah. Our regulars. So, yeah. I'm going to go with boiled crawfish. Sweet. Sweet. What's a favorite memory that you have here in York County? Maybe, and I, it's hard, maybe, I guess, a memory. So maybe a couple memories um, that you have. What's something that kind of stands out as, you know, a favorite moment? I can probably give you one. Um, and, and going back to Carrie's. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So uh, our son, who's now 12, his first outing after we brought him home from the hospital was to Carrie's. Oh, sweet. Uh, so I don't remember the <laughs> He's time. He's been frame. there from birth. Then. He yeah. has literally been there from birth. So that was our first outing. And then sometime later, um, so I, several months later, because he was sitting in a high chair. Mm-hmm. We went out to Carrie's uh, one evening for supper, and we probably got out out there a little bit early, uh, so it wasn't very crowded, maybe just right at five or something. We have Cooper in the high chair. Uh, we order, uh, we bring our food out. Of course, place isn't busy. I don't even know the waitress's name. We've seen her out there a lot. She uh, just picks him up from the high chair and says, enjoy, enjoy your food. I'll, I'll bring him back in a little bit. And Cooper goes off to the kitchen, and she's just around when we eat. And I'm like, this is amazing. It's calm. I don't have to. And so that that's one of those things that sticks out to me. Uh, again, there are other places in big cities you would get that. We you know, we were regulars at certain restaurants. And stuff. But it they takes you becoming a regular. Yeah. Yeah. But so you develop those relationships, even though you don't know everybody's name. They don't know your name. Um, so that that probably sticks out as one of my favorite memories, if not the favorite Certainly, we yeah. love to tell that the waitress just took Cooper off and brought him back close to the time we were done. And she needed to do some other things. It's really cool. I mean that. I mean it shows that the small town community and all that kind of stuff. That's a great story. I love that. Um, if you were, this is a fun question. I like. Uh, if you were a type of food, what type of food would you be? A potato. A potato. <laughs> Why a potato? A potato. Um, 
and and this may be unfair because I've actually thought about this one before. <laughs> oh, okay, uh, got it. My okay. wife and I do a podcast, and we've asked this type of question on there. Uh, but a potato, because it's very versatile. Okay, uh-huh. it can be the main dish. Mm-hmm. So you can you can bake it and top it with all kinds of stuff, and that can be your meal, or it can be a side dish. And think of all the different ways that you can prepare a potato. Right, there's unlimited. It's all <laughs> over the place uh, with that. So I think I would be a potato. A potato is only limited by your creativity. Exactly. <laughs> Favorite uh, county or local event? What's something that's always kind of reoccurring, um, an event that you look forward to every year? Maybe that's you know something at York College or something um, in McCool or something maybe here in York. What? York Fest. York Fest, yeah. Uh, I like York Fest. Uh, people get excited. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I have found since moving here, uh, small towns will find a reason to throw a parade. <laughs> Excuse for so, a parade. You know, yep. that's, that's great and, and just celebrate. Uh, but we look forward to York Fest every year. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, it's a little bit different this year. Right. Uh, but it's still fun. Yeah, I know. To, to watch. Uh, one of the things, too, I think part of early memories of York Fest of us being here is it was huge. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, the parade was not the, the only thing that happened. The street fair was really big and, and lasted for a while. There was entertainment on the courthouse square, mm-hmm. and, you know, going into early afternoon. Uh, you know, that's, that's something I wouldn't mind or I would like to see come back. I don't know, again, if people are What's interested our timeline? in it. Yeah. I don't, yeah. you know, the timeline, I know there's a lot of things and it's kind of hard because there have been a York Fest where I'm wearing shorts and a t-shirt and there have been York Fest where I'm bundled up in a winter coat. <laughs> also, uh, So right. that makes some of it difficult, and I understand mm-hmm. that. But, yeah, I, I think if one event I had to pick, it would be York Fest. Without a doubt. Yeah, there's so much going on on that York Fest weekend. There's, there's something for everyone. There's there really an activity, is. You know, you're only limited. You know, once again, in a small town, you know, like a potato, you're only limited by your creativity. I mean... And I think that one of the problems we have with a small town is getting more people involved in putting on these events. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm it can't be the same 12 people every yes, time. Yes, I'm very reluctant to give you any ideas here because then somebody's <laughs> going to call me like, hey, can you come do this <laughs> or, or help out? But we, you do see that a lot of times, uh, mm-hmm. not just uh, with the town of York. Uh, any we see community. it at the college. We mm-hmm. see it with any organization. A lot of times it's the same people doing the same things or with all the different events. And let's be realistic, people burn out. Uh, easily mm-hmm. there are things that i used to do and i just did it five six seven years i'm like i can't do this anymore i'm burned out on it mm-hmm. uh, so you know I'm, and i'm speaking to myself here about getting more involved in, in the community and what are things that we can do uh, as individuals we get more people involved you can do more of these things and mm-hmm. also we can't just say hey i would like to see this well when it happens you have to go right yeah yes you right. can't make an excuse. You can't, you know, have I, something come up. You need to right. be I there. I have a lot of this uh, with some of my students wanting to do different things. And when I start throwing out, okay, this is how this will work. And for some of these things, we're going to have to do on a Saturday morning. Oh, I don't know about sacrifice. that. I have to yeah. do that. Or, okay, this is great that you are asking about us being able to do certain things. Are you going to really participate? And are you going to help do it? And then that's where a lot of the ideas die off because oh. of the sacrifice that you mentioned mm-hmm. well it, i don't want to do work. it with sacrifice right i just want to do it yeah i just want to show up when it's convenient and easy for me right yeah and that doesn't doesn't always work doesn't no, work not at, at all. all um next segment here is kind of a fun segment you know with every you know kind of the doom and gloom sometimes of what's going on in the world i just want to 
bring back the positivity, bring back the light. Um, so just a fun segment, you know, talking about what makes you happy. Um, I'll go first talking. Um, the one that I have is seeing, um, so last year, year and a half ago, uh, the vistas at Meadow Grove um, were being built over there at 19th Street over by Miller Park. Yeah, yeah. Um, those were being built. Um, the, and since, since they've been finished and they opened up um, last this past spring or last fall or something like that, they've all filled up. And that community is now, you know, they've got grass in everyone's yards. Um, you got people outside playing and stuff like that. So it's it's neat to see a new community, you know, developing and everything like that in our community. Um, so, yeah, that's that's making me really happy right now. What about you? Oh, well, food always makes me happy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Big fan of food. Um, I Some things that make me happy... Uh, seeing my kids uh, grow, being involved in things, being able to try things, uh, that makes me happy. Having them succeed in those things makes me happy, but I'm also happy when they fail mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, because it's a learning experience and like you're not going to be good at everything and you may not like things, but you, you said you were going to do it, you're going to do it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, trying to help instill some of those values. It's difficult as a parent when I see them on uh, a path of failure with certain things and like, or even if it's like, mm, that's probably not going to turn out good. I want to step in. I don't want them to have to, to experience that, but tr- I know growth comes from that. So mm-hmm. trying to step away from that. Uh, but yeah, a lot of, they're at the age, they're in a middle school. So an opportunity to be involved in a lot of different things and try out for a lot of things sometimes they get parts sometimes they don't uh, but that makes me happy and seeing how they they handle those type of things just my family makes me happy friends uh, finding ways uh, one of the things that we've started over uh, this covid period my wife and i started a podcast ourselves. I, think, I think i've seen that yeah yeah that's cool. uh, so that's that's kind of makes us happy it's just a free plug off. what's it called it's the front porch sessions podcast okay uh you can find us on pretty much every major podcatcher a few of the minor ones that i didn't know existed <laughs> i was just looking at something one day Stitcher? And like, what's that people are listening <laughs> on this thing that i've never even heard of uh with that so yeah that that's been a lot of fun uh, with that and really we spend a lot of time on our front porch when the weather's good we eat almost every meal out there we'll do our work out there That's sometimes cool. in the summer uh, people come over we eat out there we just hang out there and, and that's basically what it's mimicking we have a lot of conversations out on the front porch random stuff if we i kind of refer to it as the uh, seinfeld of podcast it's really not about anything <laughs> there's no theme there's there just... is no theme we just talk about whatever sometimes we have a plan sometimes we don't right just where it goes and some people that have listened to friends of ours like it really reminds me of sitting on your front porch with you uh, so just that's wherever good. the and, conversation goes uh, we do have some themes with that we have a thoughts on series uh, which kind of was one of the things when we were talking about it when I pitched it to my wife was to be focused on something but we thought well there's people that can do that better than us let's do what we're good at so we may talk about leadership mentorship um, those type of things or at least on a totally different day if people just want to come for us being us and mm-hmm. not the you know maybe more professional or the self-help type stuff yeah which requires a lot more research mm-hmm. and preparation for that uh, so we have that out there also under the front porch sessions podcast umbrella we do girl gang Okay. Which is my wife and two of her friends, Lindsay and Emily. <laughs> yep. Emily Lutz? 
Uh, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. So it's just the girls uh, sitting around, uh, <laughs> talking, laughing, joking, telling stories. Uh, we've only been able to do a couple of those, but um, they're hilarious uh, with what they do, and, and they have a good time with that. I'm gonna have to get in on some of these and, so, and listen to some of them. Yeah, you should. We uh, recently had our first guest on. Nice. Uh, they didn't have a choice. It was our kids. <laughs> you guys. So are that was that was interesting too. But yeah, we, we're doing some stuff like that. Uh, got a YouTube channel with uh, cooking videos, kind of doing Sweet. some of that. So, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of yeah, just having fun, doing crazy stuff here and there, keeping busy always. Definitely. Yeah. Perfect. Well, thank you again for your time. Um, I appreciate you sitting down with me for the last looks like almost about an hour and a half now. Um, <laughs> doesn't seem like that. No, it doesn't feel like that. And so. Um, I'll give you the final words. I'll let you close out the show with, you know, words of wisdom, a quote, whatever you want to say and share with whoever's listening. So the floor is yours. Well, uh, in all fairness, I did see that question last night when you sent me the things. And I thought that this was something that if I'd had earlier, I'd ask my students, why do I always tell you? And that probably changes year to year. But what I think um, I like how you said, well, let's get back and let's make sure we end on a positive note. I think people do need to focus on positivity. You tend to find what you're looking for. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I, I've been working on this for a couple of years about having a, a more positive outlook on things and, and perspective and my approaches in life. Uh, and I think that it has helped me a lot. It's very easy for people to be turned negative with every situation. Uh, and I think there's a, a difference sometimes between be between being real and being or being realistic and being negative some people take that realistic as negative yeah they, so trying to get figure out that line of no they're not being negative they're being realistic about these are the problems and we've got to come up with solutions to those type of things uh, but I think what I really would like to leave you with and I'm probably going to butcher the quote uh, because it's been years since I've seen this uh, from a guy named Mike Ferris Mike Ferris was uh, the lead singer for the Screamin' Cheetah Wheelies. Uh, they were signed to a major label. They were out of Nashville. Uh, saw him a couple of times. Loved their music. He later went on and did some gospel stuff. He's won some Grammys. But once he tweeted something about, um, we're just helping each other along in this world. Mm -hmm. And that has stuck with me for years. Uh, one of the things and why I, I love teaching, one of the things I loved about being a lawyer is helping people and if I can help somebody improve themselves make their situation better make their outlook better I, I've done my job if I can help some a student reach their goals whether that's just you know to pass a class or to, to get a certain career I, I've done what I think I'm supposed to do with that and I just I think more people need to remember that we're just here to help each other along it's not always about ourselves about what we can do for other people and we're we're better together than we are apart perfect well thank you for your time and i'll let you get back to the rest of your day right, thank you very much thank you this is 17 county a new podcast brought to you by the york county development corporation in nebraska for more information about life and opportunity in the heartland visit yorkdevco.com Come grow with us. And if you liked this episode, be sure to rate and review 17 County on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen.